0: Welcome back to um, this uh, year uh, on focus, communal knowledge at large. And this year, conversation, collaboration between the showroom and um, the Contemporary African Art Fair 154 here in Marrakesh. Um, as I said earlier, I'm very thankful to Turia for the invitation, but all the colleagues, uh, Nicole, Margot, and especially Olivia, who have worked tirelessly with my colleague, Raul Muñoz de la Vega, to put together this program. And it's also another pleasure, so when, when one has these kind of invitations, and of course I think always collaboratively, um, I take this opportunity to bring together people that I really admire, artists that I have worked with or I have admired uh, their work, um, I would love to work with in the future, etc. And it's a tremendous pleasure for me to introduce you to Kilanje Kiagenda. Kilo for friends, um, and to have the opportunity to, to think about your practice in, uh, in relation to some of the things that you are very much invested in that has to do with postcolonial imaginaries, right? To, um, that has to do to um, the participation, uh, the engagement of both audience, but also the way that you look at art in relation to history in relation to uh, sociopolitics, etc., and I and I love to uh, begin the conversation perhaps with the work that not only brings you here to the forum but also to Marrakesh. This, I believe, is where we're going to start uh, seeing in a minute. Um, I am not gonna. I mean, if you want me, I can do that. But I'm not gonna. I thought that instead of. Um, Presenting you with a bio that we will use this talk to unveil not only the ideas that drive your practice but also how you had made uh, your practice um, what it is. Um, so I would like uh, first and foremost to, for all the audience, to give a warm welcome to Kiloanji Kehenda. Thank you. How are you?
1: Oh well, uh, <laughs> I'm being fine.
0: Um, uh, so
1: thank you for the invitation. It's great to be here. First time in Marrakesh.
0: Oh, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Also, um, so we have a conversation with uh, uh, Marianne, um, with Christine, Jan and Sofiane earlier today about what it means to intervene in other territories. And and, and Marianne was telling us about how important it was for her that some of you get acquaintance with Marrakech, with the culture here, um, in relation to the project that you present. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about not only your experience here, because as you said, this is the first time for you, but but how how the context, working with a specific context, drives also your practice.
1: Well, I think it it had a big impact on me as an artist, uh, being working on different different context. I'm a kind of artist that for me it seems the art that I do it's very related with the uh, the place where I am. Um, well, in the case of Marrakech, I I'm just presenting the work. I, I arrived yesterday night and uh, I didn't have the opportunity to spend more time here, so. I'm showing a work that is from 2014. Uh, Yeah, but it always had uh, an impact on me, like... uh, the the territory which I am uh, living, and how it would reflect in the work I do. Um, But, uh, of course, it's... uh, just the case that Marrakech and Marrakesh, so near to the desert for me, it's it's still very attractive because I did some works in other deserts like in Angola, in um, in the Middle East, in Jordan, and that we were gonna show later. Yes, but um, so far so good.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I had to say. So can we can we go through concrete affection is what you're showing us first, uh, and maybe we don't have to. Uh, you had to be as expand or as uh, as brief as you want to relate in the project. But I wonder what what are the main issues that drive your practice as an artist? Uh,
1: the main issues uh, at at the beginning, the right beginning. I was very concerned about history. I. I had this big passion about history and architecture, but I'm not a historian, I'm not an architect. So, and it it caused me that the the fact that I'm from Angola, uh, which is a country that had lived many like very deep traumatic uh, episodes in history, it, it was something that for me was kind of important work to say, because there's many gaps mm-hmm. in Angolan history. You, you, if you look to that, like Angola uh, is estimated that one third of the enslaved people that went to Americas were from Angola. We're talking about around four million people. Then uh, it's a country that has lived also uh, a colonial war during 14 years uh, no, against the Portuguese colonization system, or regime, and then it's a country that had lived 30 years of civil war, like the longest civil war in Africa. And today, has this been talking the press is the country that has lived one of the biggest scandal of corruption in Africa and in the world. So for me, those are facts that really impacted me in the way to say what happened with this territory. And and we didn't have much time for discussion, we didn't (laughs) have much time to reflect in our own history because it was like from one period of history to another they were equally very violent. So there was no time for reflection to uh, to, to deal with our own ghosts and from the past. Uh, and so for me, art is, uh, the, to do the art, do it is also this opportunity of like, not only to talk about the, the history has something from the past because it's still something that still affect us today, but also to create this bridge from uh, from the past to the future and kind of uh, speculating about the future, creating uh, like probable futures.
0: And in a way, uh, it feels like gap as a concept. No, it allows for that sort of a speculation, right? Like that you can play with that, not with the, the idea oh. of the gap.
1: Yeah, because the idea is the. Uh, co- if you don't have access to your own history, then uh, you have a bigger freedom to invent yourself, your history. And and that that's what I feel like, uh, uh, that history is just not my uh, cursed muse, but at the same time, it's not a burden on my back. Uh, so, Many times I also feel this uh, um, this freedom uh, that i I don't have to all this knowledge all this uh on on my back you know so mm. um and yeah the way that we sometimes work with speculation because it's uh, it, it had to do also with those blank spots mm-hmm. which we don't know how to approach. But we know that we have this need to approach these problematic issues.
0: And and, and there is something you said that, that that has to do with reinventing oneself and, and that means in terms of individual, but also reinventing oneself in terms of community, in terms of nation. Is that right?
1: Yeah, this is right. Like because how's it in this project and uh, that is this, this video that is being shown now at the Macal? Um when I was born, it was in 1979, and just four years after the independence, and um, there was like this new nation being born, you know, like, was the was, uh, everything has to be done from the zero, like there was a near zero in Angola. And I was invited to do uh, a project about the modern architecture in Angola, and for me it was important to say like, okay, it, there's no way to talk about modern architecture in in Luanda, not in Angola, but in the capital Luanda, without referring the year of 1975 because that was the turning point. There was when the moment when uh, 500,000. Uh, white Angolans and Portuguese community had left uh, the city in two months, and the city was completely empty for the, uh, during those two months. And when I was invited to this project, I say, okay, yes, I can work on it, but for me it's interesting to work, uh, to talk about architecture, okay, the modern architecture, but this turning point of 1975, was really interesting, was for me like, uh, because this architecture that we see here, all those buildings, they were not built for the people that lives in Luanda, Mm -hmm. for the local people in Angola. They were built for the the colonial community that was uh, living in the country. So in 1975, when these 500,000 people had left, what was considered one of the biggest air bridge in human history, Was like the movementation the people that had to leave Angola to Lisbon or Mm -hmm. to Brazil and South Africa. Uh, This moment is when many people came to the city and they occupied those spaces. Mm -hmm. They uh, so it's what I also consider that Luanda is like that squatted city, squatted city, and. And that's, for me, it's, it, 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 it is important in the, at the point that there was this need of building a new identity uh, to work on, uh, to draw a new flag, to compose a new anthem. And that was the generation of my father, mm. of my parents that were like uh, responsible of creating all, a whole identity for a whole a new Brand country, so just to say that the the process of, of uh, decolonization of the the moment of independence in Angola was very different from many places in Africa. It was kind of radical, mm-hmm. so it was th- that radical point where uh, hundred thousand people. Southern rupture. Oh. Yeah. So and and it's still like kind of inspiring me as an artist because it. Um, this creation of a new identity is not only, that the, there's many fictitious things on it. So I remember that one of the heroes that were created by for the kids, you know, I was a kid at the moment. <laughs> His name was Augusto Gangula. And we grew up with this story of Augusto Gangula, the pioneer that was killed by the Portuguese colonizers. And um, um, uh, like the moment, the day he was going to the school and the Portuguese soldiers came and killed him, blah, 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 and so it was on the 1st of December of some year that I don't remember. (laughs) And today we just see that this day was on the Sunday So it was impossible that he was going on his way to (laughs) school (laughs) because on the calendar it's on (laughs) Sunday. (laughs) And and so like, uh, so this was kind of this fictitious hero that was created. This child that the Portuguese came and asked him where are the military bases of the Portuguese and he refused to tell it. He was very resistant and so they killed him and so for us was like yes this. So he was disabled. a martyr yeah he he was a martyr, you know, yeah. but uh, a martyr that actually never existed, it was like created but but it was so funny because at the same time after like many years, thirty years after then came a guy and said, "Look, um, I need some kind of indemnization because i 'm the father of this kid like so he was seriously kind of but uh, but a oh, natural
0: person, okay,
1: yeah, yeah." Actually, person say, yeah, no, I'm a f- I'm a father of Augusto Gangula. I say, "Come on, Augusto Gangula never existed." <laughs> so, and uh, and of course, all those narratives uh, it's it's really interesting in the, in my practice. Mm-hmm.
0: So, narrative of resistance, in a way, um, I was I was uh, I was thinking in, uh, in in this fiction as a, as you said, no. Uh, the possibility of of the absences of history, of the gaps in history, giving you the chance or giving the nation the chance to reinvent itself, but also the sense of reappropriation of the city as you were showing us, uh, people sort of getting uh, into uh, those buildings that were not made for them, but they are now, they can reappropriate. And I think also how, how, and and this is not fictionality, this is an intervention to um, uh, the hardware of the city in a way. This is where you tell the story that you tell in Concrete Affection.
1: Yes, well, in the Concrete Affection, uh, most focused also in the the moment of the uh, so the, the 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 narrator of this of this story is a man that has to leave the city, mm-hmm. and he has this problem that he cannot uh, pack his affection, mm-hmm. so he can pack objects and in this right moment the old city was being stripped away of its memory so people had built a lot of boxes to to put their belongings so everything was like uh getting out from the walls uh, inside the houses and there was kind of this new city that was born mm-hmm. inside the boxes <laughs> and that's actually part of the the work i did in this series with an architect mm-hmm that was to create uh, a kind of a city but based on those boxes. Because those boxes, that was uh, like hundred thousands of them, they will start like being packed and take to the ports and the airports. And many of them went to Lisbon and they were like, uh, it happened that those boxes stayed there like for more than five years hmm. that people wouldn't claim for those boxes, so all those memories that were there inside in, inside those boxes. Um,
0: I think one of the things that I appreciate the most of, of this aspect of this particular piece is how it shows how complex the colonizing processes are, no? That, as you said, there was a sudden rupture. Um, a number of uh, community, like hundreds of thousands had to flee to uh, to what they were supposed to be their um, their ori- their origins, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, as you said, no, as you beautifully your your project shows, all their belongings. Uh, how can how can one pack affections in that way? No, all yeah. those belongings remind remain uh, leftover. I remember, uh, like Angela Ferreira has a beautiful piece around that. Uh, the, let's say the reception of those boxes in in Lisbon, for instance. No, messy colonialism from 2016. There, there is something about the, the 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 space in between that these communities have to leave That is also a reflection of the men that you talk in the video. No? Yes,
1: for sure, um, because it's. Um, I've been to Lisbon many times. I have family that lives in Lisbon, and I met many people that they're still living with this nostalgia mm-hmm. about Angola. And, uh, and the way they talk about it, it's like uh, someone that has lost his beloved one mm-hmm. or has been cheated you know, by its beloved one, mm-hmm. and uh, because the the, the 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 relation that Portuguese had with Angola, uh, it they wouldn't even call it like a colony. It was a, ultra, a, a, a ultramarine province, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it was not a colony. It was part of the Portugal of Portugal, but connected through the sea, and which all bring us to all this idea of. Uh, the uh, lusotropicalism uh, and the idea like of the Portuguese as the good colonizers and which it's it's a big mistake of seeing that like there ain't no good colonizers uh, for more than that they, they try to look to to the discovery period as and try to compare that as a kind of uh, uh, cultural exchange. Uh, it, it was not that for sure, and what was proved was uh, that we are talking about the, the, the Portuguese, which were the main uh, slave uh, tra- traffic uh, dealers, mm-hmm. the main dealers of slave in the history. We're talking the Portuguese as the um, uh, the ones that were the last one to to to. to to end the forced labor, even after the slavery, we're talking about the Portuguese as the ones that the last to give the independence to their colonies. so Angola has to go through uh, fourteen years uh, of uh, colonial war in which in this war like uh, there were used bombs like napalm, so there were there were more people killed during the colonial war in Angola, then they were killed during the apartheid system in South Africa. But we still look into the apartheid system like the most shameful thing that happened ever. But yeah, let's take it carefully. And so, and that's why we had this need of like looking back and to, to see this. And so, uh, in in this film, as yes, I talk about the faction, I talk about these uh, white Angolan men that, has this problem to leave this place. It's like romantizing this view of like being in Africa and feeling that uh, yeah, this problem of disconnection, mm-hmm. uh, to disconnect from the, the, the place they were. Uh, but, but, uh, but at the same time, it's just about architecture too. It's yeah. like uh, I, I invented all this story, like uh, this all fictitious text. But the main idea in the video was to talk about modern architecture. So there was no way of talking about this without talking about this Sikh affection of the colonization.
0: Mm -hmm. That's absolutely absolutely beautiful. Um, There is something also about um, your your, uh, recurring to history, which is also the possibility of of thinking about it to to undermine it in a way, no? that to be, because one is forced to still live, whether it's a complete or incomplete history, to still live within the context of the history established. And I wonder if, if you, if we can, t- if you can take us back to some of the projects that you had done, in which you had looked at the way that you know, the new uh, political regime is trying to engage with a new uh, understanding of monumentality, for instance, or a new understanding of the history of the, of the sociopolitical environment that they w- want to generate. And there is the commission of, of previous uh, uh, glories, but also previous understanding of, of such history, of nation, of et cetera. And I wonder if you can take us through, through some of your, the work that you had done that do that. Um,
1: well, uh I will show you some images here from uh, Project Ome Novo, which is related to the question you you, you just did. And um, uh, I think what happened is, because of of this colonial war that was this violent moment, uh, in 1975, the moment of independence, uh, there was already the support of the Cuban army, uh, to establish the new power, and uh, the Cubans, they were like very uh, kind of um, for them the idea of the iconoclast was very present. So uh, once they start like being collaborating to all this process of the post colonization, one of the the strategies was to erase the all this coli- colonial heritage like it was that was for sure like the main goal mm, so and, and and it was a bit dis- disastrous too not regarding only the monument and the, which i really agree that many of those monuments has to be removed which i will show in this project but there were like things um uh like for for example the the cinema institute, a lot of the things that were filmed and photographs were burned, you know they completely just burned it and uh, destroyed it, and the way the sense okay no more of the colonial presence, no more of colonial memory, it's a new time, uh, and yeah and that and that that what happened has a lot to do with uh, the, the Cuban presence, you know like this idea of uh, the of iconoclast. Um there's been, mm, okay, um, so one of the museums which I always visit a lot in Luanda is, uh, it used to be uh, the fort, it was used to be the, called the Fort of San Miguel, which has around 400 years old, is one of the oldest uh, uh, buildings in the sub-Saharan Africa. Mm-hmm. So it has around 400 years old. And it, it was built by Paulo Dias de Novaes which the, the mm-hmm. is considered the founder of the city of Luanda. And uh, uh, for after the independence happened, all the monuments that belong to this Colonial period that were on their plains around the city of Luanda, they were removed and taken to this fort. Is, it was in nineteen uh, uh, seventy-six. Um, but it happened that there, in around like two thousand and nine and ten, there was a square that in Luanda that was also being renewed and they took the monument of the Queen Zingambandi, which is one of the main figures uh, in the African history, one of the, uh, like, uh, a queen that has this big struggle uh, against colonization, or the, not colonization, but I would say the yeah. European presence. They also t- took her monument to this fort. Uh, temporarily, because they were renewing the, the 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 square, and for me it was very curious that the way it was placed, because they were like also doing some renovation construction in the museum, and they put all these monuments together. But we can what we can see here is like a moment of conflict that comes from history, but it's happening there in the present through the monuments. So you can see like the queen is back and is facing again the Portuguese heroes that has been inside this fort for the last 30 years after being removed from the pedestal. And the queen arrived in a Russian four by four. And she had her axe like, and she like ready for action. And then you have the Portuguese, the first Portuguese king, Don Afonso with his sword down like, uh, surrounding. And then you have uh, Camões at the back. You have Don, uh, Don Carlos Alexandrino, you know, and the queen is there, like, uh, the thing is, like, this, when I saw this, for me, it was kind of, whoa, what's happening here? Like, uh, it's, um, because this queen, she was in jail inside this fort 400 years ago. So, and her sister died there, she was baptized there too. She has a, also a, a Christian name, Ana de Souza, and and somehow it it happened this revenge through those monuments, and then you have the first king of Portugal with one of the cars that the South African regime of apartheid used to mm. invade Angola, and then you have like Camões, Luís de Camões, the father of Portuguese language, trying to go negotiate, you know and then you have the queen with the monument of Paulo Díaz de Novais which actually was the guy that put her in jail so he's now a hostage here she already <laughs> now the thing is like you you find like a lot of armament because today is the museum of army in Angola so you find a lot of weapons from different periods like you can see 300 years like of uh, conflicts on those weapons there from the cannonballs from uh, the tanks, and he is the queen that she has shopped away in four parts. The um, Paulo Dias de Novais, uh, the guy that had put her in the jail. So history was being replaced again, um, of being replayed, you know, like reenactment through those monuments. Uh, but after this, of course, I thought of if there are those monuments, uh, the planes should be somewhere. Um, and that's the moment that happened this reinvention is like okay uh, in the place where was the first king of portugal i invited my friend uh, shonash fiel which is um uh, a poet and a fashion designer uh, as to to play the role of like this new cultural vibration that was Happening in Luanda, so uh, at this moment you don't have any more like a, a, a sculpture of a, of a Portuguese king. Yes, you have field this crazy guy. So I really invited some crazy people to do this performance. Then you have Prince, in this uh, he also occupied this plinth, and Prince is a friend, Miguel Prince. He now changed his name to Musunda Zombo. And he lived many years in Germany and he has this paranoia about Prince the singer. He has a lot of tattoos. And he always dressed like in a very crazy way. He lives like in a kind of uh, permanent performance. And so I said, yeah, like you also deserve a pedestal. But it it was not very easy to do this scene with uh, Miguel Prince. Yeah, because he smoked a a spleef before going up the pedestal. (laughs) And then suddenly he started like feeling that the Portuguese ghosts were like <laughs> trying to take him down, <laughs> and I was saying, "Man, I told you to not smoke this place <laughs> before the work, you know, like I'm very strict about it. Don't do drugs while you work <laughs> like <laughs> and there is this Miguel Prince again, completely stoned
0: <laughs>
1: doing the the role of the um, one of the Governors of Angola during the colonial time, Don Pedro Alexandrino.
0: But, but now that you say doing the work, was your intention that they will replace those, or that the, the, the status of the, or let's say the, the emptiness in the status will acquire a different meaning no? by having these uh, your friends, your colleagues, but also characters that, as you say, bring something else from a crazy fictional place to the possibilities of rethinking these as monuments of history,
1: Yes, let's say, for me it was uh, kind of um, uh, problematic to think that those planes before this performance, they were empty for almost uh, 30, 35 years, Mm -hmm. and there uh, Two of them that's still existing because there were some of them that were already demolished, but they've been empty, they're empty for 45 years mm-hmm. since 1975. And, and and that's the empty plinth for me was uh which would resume a lot of what happened in Angola in the years after the independence. Mm-hmm. So because we went through like a very intense civil war. Uh, we're talking one of the biggest battles that happened after the occupation of Berlin mm-hmm. uh, in the Second World War, it, it happened in Angola. So, in many of what uh, we happened in Angola at that time, uh, which was considered like kind of a tribal war. Uh, no, it's the people from the south that has a problem with people from the north. But then, when you look to it, actually, you had like Cubans and Russians supporting one side. Then in the other side, uh, which was Fenele and Unita, you, you had the Americans, you had the uh, system of apartheid of South Africa, and supporting them too. And at the same time, you also had mercenaries from France, mercenaries from England, also in this war. So if you see the number of the nations that were included that was part of this conflict, then you think, well, what is the tribal war then? So I think like people should really think if the Second World War had finished. It's not because there are now like people dropping bombs in the West that the Second World War has finished. For me, there's a new definition of war from the 20th century. It's like the, this: uh, the globalization of the conflict, which we don't consider a road war because it. Doesn't belong to us the legitimation of history, but what I see in Angola, what I see in Afghanistan, what is on in, in Ethiopia, or in many other places, there's still like this international strategy. So many of those uh, mercenaries that were caught in Angola uh, that were like part, they were uh, also fighting together with the apartheid system of South Africa during the invasion. They, those guys, they were taken to the, the to the to the court, and they they behaved like in the most horrible way. Even that the Queen of uh, England, the Queen of UK, sent letters to release them, saying that they were uh, British citizens, so they were begging to to, to 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 let them go. And those guys, they they committed the most horrible crimes, uh, and and so. Um, after all these conflicts, and then we had this moment of the of peace. It's um, for me was important to to yes to replace uh, to those uh, heroes of the colonial time, which most of them are connected with wars and occupations, with the ones that I consider to be my cultural heroes, and which is the case of Didi Fernandes which is, that? I know that the image is not the best, I'm not a good photographer, I forgot to say that before, but um, Didi is one of the uh, main activists for the homosexual rights in Angola, like he's also a fashion designer, and he's taking the pedestal of uh, the founder of the city of Luanda. Uh, which was Paulo Dias de Novaes. Mm.
0: And you say that you're not a good photographer, but I think if one thing that characterizes your practice is not to limit yourself, um, <coughs> with the, to reduce the work, let's say, to the, the limits of the media, right? Like, I think you always go beyond that. Um, and in a way, the fact that you the the performative aspect of this piece, but also you know your use of video and also the sculpture because we had to talk about the 2019 commission in and 154 London where you presented the piece, and I don't know if you have images of that here, but but I, I want us to to take a little bit of time to talk about that as well. No? Like uh, discipline as something that one is capable to challenge and 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 overcome every time.
1: Uh, yes, it, it, it happened by chance, because it, at the beginning I was very much connected with music. I had this no correspondent love with music. I loved music, music didn't love me. But, um, not because music is very demanding, you know, I had like to spend a lot of time playing one instrument, the time I was playing guitar. She was too demanding, she was very possessive, and I was like, okay, today we are friends, huh? Eh? We have a good friendship, like uh, i still playing and, and some of the videos where I, that I do I do as a part of the music. But I also felt like, because I also worked in the theater in Luanda, and I always had the photography with me because it was uh, something that I brought it from home, you know. My father loved photography, I had a brother that lived in Moscow during the 80s, and he has this dark room. In the house that we lived and uh and then I lived with John limbenberg, uh, which was still a be a big reference for me and John has passed away uh this sunday so i it was it has been like a very sad moment for me because yeah John was very important in my career to uh, to uh, you know show me photography as a weapon of, of to denounce the like evil things that were happening at this time in the this region uh, in Africa. So John uh, was this photojournalist from South Africa, and he covered like uh, the uh, many of the conflicts inside the South Africa during the apartheid time uh he also covered the struggle of liberation in Namibia and he also covered the angolan civil war and also the south african occupation in angola so uh, to live with john when i was 17 years old was really special because uh, i was still having this very naive way of to look into the road and And then I will see how things were like very much urgent and they could be really crazy. And John always told me, yeah, Kilwanji I know you love rock and roll. Uh, And we spent sometimes listening to Rush Waters, drinking whiskey. And he was saying like, yeah, but war is not much far from the rock and roll. It's the craziness we live in, but it's like uh, a little thing. It's a little, it's a, um I would I would say and all of that brought me this interest to photography but at the same time I've I, I've seen that I I'm kind I'm more like kind of generalist. I, I like to think things in general. I cannot be specialized in anything. I cannot stay eight hours playing an instrument. And so that's why I, I feel much more comfortable like in the the contemporary arts and so that uh, all those medias that I've worked with, all these um stories that I want to explore, I have much more freedom to in terms of aesthetics and uh, uh, and also the the, the concept itself.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, do you want to, to take us a little bit through I don't know if you have any images of the um, mm-hmm. of, of the work that you presented in um, 154 but uh, I thought about the piece because also what it means in terms of the construction of an imaginary video uh, uh, is a sculptor but also is a series of photographs. Um, and I don't know if you wanna talk a little bit about that.
1: Uh, yeah, we should go through that. We, we will go back
0: to that one later.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a city called Mirage. Mm. Yeah, a city called Mirage is a project I did in the, um, 2014, and uh, I always has this obsession uh, with the desert, um, let's say it's uh, it's the place w- for me that didn't have a history, it didn't have like a beginning or an end, and it became like a blank page which I could explore um, some of th- the speculative narratives I was interested in my work. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the at same time, like I, I was seeing the desert as a way of getting rid of all my political speech and my works. And I was kind of, off. I'm a bit tired of it, so it's time I, just to go to this empty place. Like, because the desert in Angola, for example, is is the oldest, is the oldest desert in the planet. It has around 80 million years old. And and this place is where there's this absence of civilization, there's absence of history. So um, Angola had lived through all those periods, but this place has been there intact. And so I thought that it would be also like the perfect place for me to to restart and to not being that political, being that I am, sometimes I'm still like questioning myself if I'm an artist or a politician. So that was like this moment that I, I, I had this opportunity, but it it completely failed because in the moment when I arrived to the desert and the, the many visits that I did in desert, it also made me think a lot about all the processes, what we think about the urban places, to think about the civilization itself, and the empty cities. So that when I started to think about a city called Mirage. Because when I did this project, Luanda, the city where I'm from, the capital of Angola, is there was this big constru- boom construction, like new buildings, new cities that were like being raised. And uh, the thing is like, uh, uh, m- many of those new constructions, they, they were seeing as a, a sign of development. But it was a completely illusion because the, today you have like hundreds of empty buildings in Luanda because people don't have money to acquire them. So they are completely empty. No, no, no. Th- no one lives there. And they costed like millions. And it makes me think like about what are the models of development that we want to achieve? Uh, does it mean to be Devlo- developed to live like they live in Norway. That's what I uh, that that's my concept of development, and that was the question at the beginning. And so uh, many of these uh, new urban plan in Angola, they they were very inspired in Dubai. So Dubai was the new muse of many of the urbanizations, not only in Angola, in many other places. and um, But I was also like very uh, concerned about the idea that, yes, uh, uh, when I had the chance to visit Dubai in 2014 and to see that 70% of the city was empty, so there was this kind of this ability of building a city in the desert But creating a desert within the city. And it's not only about Dubai, it's about China, it's even about New York. There are many empty buildings in New York because they all obey to the big capital, they all obey to this big machine of laundering money. And today you have like several empty places. So if you do like, if you add up all these empty square meters, we are in the presence of. Uh, a huge concrete desert Uh, and so I thought, okay, I'll bring all this bullshit to my sacred desert, (laughs) which I shouldn't, I should just keep it as a sacred place. But um, but then in one of the visits, there was this little town of fishermen, like, in the south of very southern in, in angola in namib not namibia it's the desert of namib which is in, in one of the provinces in angola Ooh. Ooh, which means a vast place namib a big place empty place and i saw this sign in one of the it used to be a restaurant in the colonial time uh, called mirage and For me, that was kind of like an Eureka, you know, like. (laughs) I like to see, wow. To see this rusty mirror, you know, to see this sign in iron. And and that told me a lot about the new cities that were being built because they all based in uh, uh, structures of iron, steel, and uh, glass. And so to see this rusty mirage was also to think about the end of the capitalism system, because the whole capitalism system is based on this vertical structure, on this iron structure, you know, from the uh, twin towers in New York that don't doesn't exist already, you know, already exist uh, from any other tower. So that's how we see. That's how we read the new uh, monuments of the capitalism. And to see this rusty sign was saying, like, yeah, that's the post-capitalism society that would would probably be much closer than we guess. And so I I had some um, documentary images of the desert, This is in Namibia, not in Namibia, but Namibia in the country, where they were like doing new roads in the desert. So I created settings for an imaginary landscape. Um, And then this was in Sharjah. So I built this wall. They had two people together there while we were building the wall, and we just left this human mark there of this human body. I was very inspired about one of the sentence of a Portuguese architect, Manuel Tainha, which he says, if you want to introduce greater privacy between two activities, we have two possible strategies. One by pushing them apart, by introducing them the distance between them, the other by interposing a wall between them. So, we can say that a wall is a compacted distance. And that's for me was important to think is for all that I wanted to talk also in this project, Uh, how these new buildings that were in Luanda that they were building in many parts of the world they were this representation of the lack of inclusion. Uh, you know the lack of uh, the lack of e- equality, so even that like many poor people in Luanda, they were like happy to see like, yes, the country is growing, look, we already have like this mirror, big buildings, so something is happening, yes, but what happened is they the only relation they could have with those buildings were only they reflect against those these mirror buildings because they wouldn't have any kind of access to it, and so that made me think a lot about this model of developments. What does it mean to be developed? And um, and so that I start working this idea like the 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 the, uh, the life and birth of the city, the ideas of entropy. And one of the projects was the in, uh, introductions to create your personal Dubai at home. How are you going to do your own Dubai at home? I did this work before I went to Dubai. I just went to the internet and see these crazy constructions in Dubai. And one of them was to create your palm island inside your toilet. So with match sticks. And there was like the caution, so be careful, don't flush it. Uh, it's okay. like it would be like a storm in the, on the island so i created like a a silver skyline in my room this was all done in jordan in amman the, in the house where i living i was just using those small objects and then i also created the, the burj khalifa tower mm-hmm. with some beers the beer cans so and then you had all this uh, how to do it, you know, like organize a barbecue with some friends, buy like three boxes of beer, and while you're drinking, you can start creating your Burj Khalifa tower. And then you have this uh, ski slop inside your toilet. I had to do a lot of ice inside the house and put on the inside the, 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 the bath, the shower. Not the toilet, but the shower. Then I had my also underwater room with uh, this plastic link from the kitchen, you know, it, it was good. This it, it was amazing, like <laughs> to work in this and like the magical fountain, like the one you had in Dubai, but in the in the sink of the kitchen, you know, like with these dirty glasses from the previous party, and then also like a maquette of the town with a lotronic stuff that I start open inside the house. Well, and that was the Dubai thing just to think about uh, how to create your personal Dubai at home you can have access to these instructions you can try it at home (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's not harmful that's not harmful to try warning no drugs maybe yes (laughs) well just try to find someone to help you to drink the beers but um, then I came to this like was this that I thought about this mirage iron sign that was rusty, and I say, okay, like I wanted to do like this silhouette of uh, cities in the desert, which I would leave these structures there. um, mm, uh, And just to abandon them there in the desert and get them to get this process of... uh, uh, I would say, the entropy, you know, the nature would take care about it. Uh, and so I start working on this. I did that first in Jordan. Mm-hmm. It's is called the Rusty Mirage, the city skyline. Um, yeah, it uh, it was in the desert of al uh very near to Iraq. Uh and it took like us two days to to make this setup. Uh and then I present this project to Charge Art Foundation. Uh oops. Ah, here we are. And so I I start also working on this project in the in the desert of Charge in Emirates. Here what I used was these um drawings from the east of Angola which are called the sauna drawings. And those drawings, they're they also known as uh, sand drawings, they're ephemeral drawings. Mm-hmm. They're used by the storytellers mm-hmm. in the Chokwe culture, uh, like it's east of Angolon, part of uh, south of Congo, and also part of Zambia. And they are very important in the oral tradition and through these drawings you you can like represent animals you can represent a house you can represent people you can represent situations like uh to people having sex and and that's so this for me was kind of important but because of the idea that they were ephemeral they didn't like kind of were done in a book or drawing on some into, onto some wall they were down on the sand while the storyteller was telling the story and he would like erase and do the other and next. You know, and it's also considered, uh, it's classified as ethnomathematics because it it's very like you know, geometrical drawings. Uh, the basic is about those points and the same point where you start the drawing is the same point you end. Uh, they were very important also to resist against uh, the, the colonial presence. The, it was one of the languages that people would keep uh to people would conserve it during the colonial occupation all this process of acculturation that colonization brought and but uh, and for me it was important like i was in the desert and i thought like okay if i think that i thought that these drawings would be like uh, uh, would express something what i wanted to say about the cities themselves about this, uh, that the cities are not there forever. Mm. So, that,
0: that can huh? they can be consumed and then solved.
1: They can be consumed. Mm. we always struggling against nature, you know, like nature will be always there. Mm. If not in 2,000 years, it will be in 3,000 years. So, the idea also was to create those sculptures as a, a kind of ruin because there's nothing more similar to a ruin than the city being constructed. Mm-hmm. And, and to let those sculptures to be there along with the nature and be consumed by the nature itself. Uh, and that was my city called Mirage. So there was um, four sculptures that I did uh, in, the, in the desert in Charja. In Uh, This one, the ministries, which I attribute them a different identity um, and the temple.
0: I just noticed that we have been talking for almost an hour now, and I want people to be able to engage with you in conversations. There is a lot we wanted to talk about. We wanted to talk about Icarus, obviously, because of your passion for this futuristic, not only fictional, but also somehow like the potential for um, uh, a possible future and an imaginary society to emerge. No? And, and I want to talk about Icarus 13, the first journey to the sun, which also uh, um, was very uh, um, key in, in, uh, in brings your success to uh, to reflect no? that your practice to reflect on, on futurism um, both also again uh, based on history but also when we wanted to talk about Avemos de Voltaire we shall return no? so I don't know how much time people have but uh, and how eager you are to ask questions to Kiluanji but otherwise we will continue to some others of these projects
2: Hello, K- Kiluanji Thank you very much for that excellent presentation. Um, you talked about uh, post-colonialism, and you made a lot of reference to the colonial era experience of Angola, and particularly some of the... Um, like the Queen, for instance. Um, do you, in, at any point in your work, sort of um, engage with uh, slavery, African enslavement, given that both colonialism and African enslavement were one form of economic... Um, Uh, economic, um, what do you call it, um, exploitation, if you like, one being a continuation of the other, i.e. colonialism being a continuation of that economic model of exploitation, which only came to an end simply because, primarily because the um, Britain lost its American colonies um, and so therefore didn't want the um, European uh, uh, sort of rivals to outdo it, you know, economically, and so therefore decided to come to Africa to Continue and perpetuate that exploitation. Does your work engage slavery in any way?
1: Um, well, I, I I can't remember right now if there is any project that I did that was connected with uh, with slavery. Um, because uh, let's say I, I I still, as I told before, it's there's a many gaps in this history, uh, and uh, I take it like in this rhythm that I, I try to reflect on different periods, and uh, and I think sometimes there's this, I can't just uh, put all together in this you know like or what I would say there's sometimes no space or time to, for me to to reflect in this all these different periods you know. Um, but but of of course, like if you look to it um, and into some of the projects, maybe there would be some of the references because what you saw there, for example, from these Portuguese monuments, and even like the this fort in Luanda, there was all places that were part of this slavery mom period, and. Uh, And this last year was challenged, because I'm part now of of a commission, which are like another two artists uh, competing for, to do the the memorial of the enslaved African people in Lisbon. So it's a big project, and I I created like a project that is a a sugarcane plantation, but all in black, like a burn sugarcane plantation. Because that was one of main of resources that that's one of the main reasons many people were part of uh, were trafficked to the Americans and even in Portugal, like in island of madeira uh, so in the seventeenth uh, century you had like ten percent of population in Lisbon uh, they were black and so and it was not very common in in Europe. Uh, at that time, because the, those people they were working as slaves, so the yeah that's there's still like something that I, that I have to go back and to to explore it more. Uh, yeah, but uh, but at the same time, there's so many there's still this big emptiness and gap that I said about history, and uh, I feel that yeah. um I cannot go <coughs> over many other issues. Mm.
0: Can I ask you if, in relation to this, his question, which I, I feel is extremely appropriate, the Merchant of Venice somehow could serve as a as a that kind of project, like linking current, um, let's say, in. Uh, more enslavement, more than slavery, but the enslavement of certain bodies, certain uh, races within uh, Western cities due to, uh, again, the the reverberance of a capital system that started with colonization, that continues with with certain global issues and the neoliberal practices that the global issues put into place.
1: You're right about that because, yeah, I, I forgot about this project, the, the the Merchant of Venice, which was the project I did in Italy. This was called the Self-Portrait as a White Man, and was also to, to reflect about the Christianity influence in Africa, and how I could relate to that with history in Italy, and the, the actual crisis that was happening. I did this project in 2010, and one of the, th- the, the the images that really inspired me to do this project was uh, a sculpture inside a, uh, a basilica in, in Venice, which is called uh, the Santa Maria de Frari. And uh, inside you had this uh, sculpture with uh, four uh, black men's, which they, they used to call the, the moors, the black moors, carrying stuff on their back, big bags, but they also, they were the, the columns that supported the whole sculptures that were up them. So you had then the Dodge of the city that was the guy that ordered this monument, or this sculpture. You had the angels in the top. Uh, and so uh, the work that, I, after seeing this for me was like very striking, was very impacting. Uh, yes, and for me was to think about how yeah, the Italians and somehow the, the speech of Berlusconi was that this rejection people had about immigration is because Italy did, didn't have any colony in Africa. Actually, it didn't have a, like an actual like, a colony. And, and so there was not much relation with the African continent itself. But this culture and many other things that I could find during my research, tells the opposite that 400 years ago, Venice was built by uh, African slaves. So, but the work that I did at that moment that was related to this, thank you uh, Elvira to remind me that, was uh, to bring those bodies also to those classical architectural places like they are legitimated to be inside that. And there was also one of the photos, was the, the great Italian nude, that this man posing in this sofa by the sea. And you know, then you have the sea behind, and this this very classical baroque sofa. And you had this black man posing there completely naked. And and for me, it was kind of thinking like, okay, it's time to take this weight from the back of the people. And uh, because the thing is, uh, uh, some of the works I do, it's also like, when I think about these topics, it's also to give back some dignity to those bodies. I, 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 sometimes I don't think like, okay, I want to talk about slavery, so I uh, want to, to do like an extension of this suffering on the black bodies. I, I think that would be too much. I think also like, I like the idea of giving back some dignity to it. And of course, that I, I'm sure about that, and um, many of those political topics that I talk in my work, uh, it, it's still a struggle against this at the same time, uh, because I can feel that in Angola. Uh, how do we react to the, all this suffering? How, how we do we react, react to the, all this misery uh, that is happening even today? And this image of the the black body always being submitted to such suffering, to such bad conditions, it also be, brings this sense of normalization. So it really doesn't worry much as to see like uh, these black children that is starving, uh, as we, you would see like uh, a, a white children, because. We start to being like used to see that since we were kids, since like the Biafran conflict in Nigeria. So when you grow up with this image of like the black body in such condition, uh, you kind of come to a point of normalization, and and that's what I also try to discuss a lot in Angola. In that what they think it happened in Angola today, even with the, the actual political system. So if people f- feel themselves allowed to to steal hundred millions of dollars uh, instead of building a hospital it's not only about greeting, it's not only about like wanting to be rich, but it's also like about uh, that there's no something that will touch you or you know any bad conscience because you are used to see this image. So I think it's, uh, we live in this time that uh, we want to restitute some of this dignity to the black body.
0: I think this is all we had time for, I believe, no? Um, I want to thank you once again for being so generous with your work and your practice, and I want to thank the public for engaging with us in this conversation. Thank you so much. Um, we we'll see you all at week, week, uh, where we have John as um, um, Disguise's dance Floor Project uh, starting at 6 from 6 to 8. Um, and yeah, we hope to see you all there. Thank you very much.